Prince, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. Hello, and welcome to Shakespeare, the official Lion Face Productions podcast where we talk about Shakespeare. My name is Chase, your mostly quiet producer. Today, we are back down to three for our synopsis of the tragedy of Julius Caesar. If you live in Northwest Ohio and would like to get involved with our organization, be it to act, direct, or anything else theater-related, please reach out to us at facebook.com slash lionfaceproductions. And now, on with the show. Here under leave of Brutus and the rest, for Brutus is an honorable man, so are they all. With just straight renditions of Shakespeare, we like just straight renditions of Shakespeare. This was a man. Julius Caesar. I... I have problems seeing Julius Caesar as a bad guy, though. He's not. He And he's not. He, he's not a villain. He, well, and in this... He's... He's almost not a character in this play. He's more of a prop. Yeah, the play's not the play. really about Caesar. It's about everybody around Caesar. Yeah. Um, Cassius is the closest to a villain. Right. Because Cassi- well, Cassius is the is the fuel. He's the driving force. Well, Cassius... Yeah, Cassius... Actually, I think there were two Cassiuses. There's, okay, so it's Cassius Brutus. Well, there's Marcus Brutus. There's, Mar- there, there's the house of Brutus. There's multiple Brutuses in this play. Brutai? Brutai, if you will. Brutai. Well, Marcus Brutus is Caesar's close friend. Right. So Marcus Brutus is Caesar's close friend. Marcus Brutus is the... Uh, the other co-conspirator, you know, head of the conspiracy right. against Caesar. Right. Um, that only happens after some wheedling and, you know, lying and whatnot upon the, you know, on the part of uh, Cassius. Well, I mean, I don't know if he or lies. He so does. Well, he just points out things like, hey, that man's ambitious. He forges letters and leaves them at Brutus's house. He writes letters. I guess the other kind of He forged. forges them because he's he he writes them as if they were written by citizens of Rome who are concerned about Caesar's overreaching power. He's a citizen of Rome. And Okay, he didn't write them as if they came from himself though. They're for they're forged letters. He's lying to to Brutus to try and get him to join the conspiracy. Because Brutus has his own misgivings. About the re- overreaching power of, of Caesar, and he's worried that Caesar will uh, become can't, emperor, and we can't go back to kings. He doesn't want the he doesn't want the end of the republic, and he feels that if Caesar becomes emperor of Rome, then it will be the end of the republic. Little does he know that the events that he starts are why <laughs> there becomes an empire, because Julius Caesar's not actually the first emperor of Rome. No, his nephew. And Octavius. Heir, Octavius is the first emperor of Rome after he breaks up the second triumvirate. Or is it, is it Octavian or Octavius? It's Octavius. That's what I thought. It's Octavius who then becomes Augustus. Yes. Um, well, and, and the dist- reason... To actually, to distance himself from Julius Caesar, well, he becomes Augustus Caesar. Well, which, do- that, I mean, doesn't make too much sense. But. Well, all of the... the, the Emperor of Rome is called Caesar, though, is a callback to Julius. <clears throat> well, there is an entire line that is 
blood related to Caesar. After the Caesars are done, it's the Flavian Empire, the Flavian Dynasty. But they are still, still refer to the Emperor as Caesar. Caesar. Yeah. But it's but they're no longer uh Nero Caesar, Tiberius Caesar. Yeah. It's then uh, Marcus Flavius. And and he is the Caesar of Rome. Yes, but, but C- Caesar becomes the title. Right. It becomes a title. Um and as as the title that continued through even, you know, the the Holy Roman Empire, the Byzantine Empire, and then you know everything like that, and to it's why we have Czars. Czars. Because eventually the Holy the, Roman Empire ended up in Moscow. The Kaiser. And then, yes, the Kaiser the, uh, is another, you know, bastardization or, you know, that's the Germanization of uh, Caesar. From now on I will call anything that is the Nordified version of something the bastardization of it. If you refer to things that are Germanic as the bastardization. Well, I mean, it is a bastardization of it Caesar. Is. It is. Um, it, but it's the... The, the German version of the word Caesar is Kaiser. But the, the, and the Russian is Tsar. The point of this diatribe is that I spent so much time, seven years, learning Latin, which I've forgotten all of. Because why should you learn Latin? So I have so much love and back history with, with Caesar, with reading Caesar, of translating his words that he wrote. So he is more of a real figure to me than any of the other histories that... Well, this one's not even a a real history. This one's a tragedy. This play is written as a tragedy. Correct. This is a tragedy about real events. It's a historically based tragedy. So, well, in the the same way that that Macbeth is a historically based tragedy, Caesar, uh, Shakespeare took less liberties with Caesar than he took with Macbeth. He took a lot of liberties with the story of Macbeth. I didn't even know there was really a Macbeth. Oh, yeah. He was the last true king of Scotland. We will cover that when we get I, to... I thought that was William Wallace. William Wallace was never the king of Scotland. Oh. And why did he want freedom? Things that we can cover when we get to get to that When one. we get to the when Scottish we, when play. We get to the, when we get to the, our five-part arc on the Scottish play. Although this has been a fantastic <laughs> a six-minute history lesson uh, that we've recorded here. Oh, and we're not done. Uh, look, I know we're not done, but perhaps that might be a better... Well, we three lessons for, for part two. We are talking about Julius Caesar, uh, the tragedy of Julius Caesar uh, by Shakespeare. That's uh, what we've chosen for what this is, episode nine. 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 We, nine. When we finish recording tonight, we'll be in double digits. Look at us. Double digits. We will. We will hit ten episodes. I feel we've made it this far. That's a good feeling. We should be congratulating ourselves. Well, they say it takes 21 of something to make it a habit, so we just have to keep going. Well, right. and we do have a couple secret recordings, so I mean, there's, there, we're up to technically. Yeah, we're, but I don't know if those will ever see the light of day. I think we'll just redo them. We, may, we may redo almost, ours. Almost certainly. Almost certainly. Because well, because we the format's changed a little since we were first envisioning, I think, and mm-hmm. we've also gotten better at doing this. We also have a different name. Yeah, we do. <laughs> We have a completely different name. What is that name? Shakespeare. That's right. This is the Shakespeare podcast. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Ryan Halfhill. I'm another host. My name's Beth Roars. And I am a tertiary host, but mostly making sure the computer doesn't crash, Chase Greenlee. He is the chief of production. And uh, our other co-host, 
Uh, Cassie will not be with us tonight. She is out watching theater tonight. Yes, she is going and seeing the local production of Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, my 3B productions up in Perrysburg or Waterville. Waterville. Ah, I was wrong. 3B's in Waterville. They're actually directly across the street from where I work. Oh, Oh, fun. (laughs) Fun. My son went to go see his first, well, sat through his first play today. Sat, sat through it, yeah, as opposed <laughs> yeah. to going to one and then not being able to stick around and sit through it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I shouldn't, a have, tough shouldn't have tried to take him to a play at three. No, that's a, that's a mistake. Hyper, yeah. Hyperactive little boys don't do that. Mm-mm. And when he was still in the car seat, he went to some Shakespeare plays with us in the park. But yes. went and sat through his first play. What play was that? Junie B. Jones. I don't know. He really loved it. I thought right. it was super awesome. Where was that at? Uh, it was up at the Valentine. Okay. He went up to the Valentine. Daycare took them on a field trip. Preschool took uh, them on a field sure. trip. So, I'm really proud of my little dude. That's now he's cool. been he's been doing uh shows in the living room oh. ever since ever since he got home from that yeah. all night long. He's been acting acting for us and singing songs he doesn't know the words to. Excellent. It's amazing. Izzy loves doing that kind of stuff too. It's all As about your wife is prone to be posting on Facebook. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is super adorable. I can vicariously get all of the best parts of parenting through Facebook and work ever so often. You also see some of the worst parts of parenting. Oh, certainly. Through work. <laughs> oh, Sincere work as a photographer who often takes photos of children. Usually, yeah. actually. That wasn't too bad. It was, today the kids were... I, so I had an experience today that I'm sure we're gonna we're, we're, we're far afield from from the main topic of tonight. I'm gonna go into this. I think I, you can go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, we, we didn't actually banter at the beginning. We talked. We st- we jumped yeah, straight we into the into subject it, so. matter. So. I will find a way to get your banter back mm-hmm. on the track of the of the I'm play. I'm certain you will. So I had a uh, an experience today that I, you two absolutely have had because you have actually have kids about this age, um, but. Uh, when I first moved up here, there was this little girl who, like, within the first week, I took her photos. And it's been about every six months or so she comes on in. And she's four now. And somewhere, like, in the last six months, a switch flipped. And she went from being this really shy, it's like, eventually I would get her to warm up to me, small child, to someone who was, like, having a discussion with me and telling me about the things she likes. It's like, you actually couldn't talk last time you were here and what happened in between these last six months like there is just it seems like there is a point where like the switch flips and they become like they stop being a toddler and they start being they become a human being a tiny human they're a little person such as octavius growing up from the man who from the boy who sits outside of rome by seven leagues to the one leading an army and I did it! Right to the net. That was a really yes. bad segue, though. Oh, you forced it. You, you forced it hard. You're a bad segue. <laughs> you're a bad segue. You, for, you forced that a little too look, hard. Look, this is floundering. This whole thing is floundering. We're Let's not, get we're back. Not, we're not floundering. We just have to get into the plot. And we skipped We skipped banter because you wanted to talk about, you know, your Latin whatever. And, you know. Well, because Latin whatever is really important for this. Mm. Um, it wasn't originally written in Latin, but you know what? I could probably get it there with a big enough dictionary and enough time. Yeah. But we, we should jump in. Oh, yeah. Well, we should talk about the, the plot of Julius Caesar. All right, Ryan, what's the plot? Uh, Caesar comes home from war. 
they are going to be a celebratory games because of his victories in the Gallic Wars. Yep, so we open up scene one, act one, with a milling about of a crowd of people who a are all people super who are excited. Decorating statues of Caesar. Well, they're not, okay, so they're not decorating statues. They're laying cloths over them. Yeah, well, that's, to me, is decorating. Well, when we think about decorating, we think about it as a way of celebrating, but what they're doing is hiding Caesar's face. So that Caesar does not become so full of himself during his triumphant his triumph. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's I mean, it's a triumphant right, march. Is. Yeah, because oh, actually, have... no. The, what he's returning the battle he's returning from. I forgot. It's not the Gallic Wars. It's the Civil Wars. It's the Civil War with so, Pompey's son, his sons. Well, with Pompey and Crassus. Well, Pompey's dead, but and it's there's always a Pompey. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's oh, the like sons of his Pompey. it's the sons of his rival Pompey. Well, Crassus. Well, no, because the, the three of them are the original triumvirate. So, Crassus, Pompey, and Caesar. Caesar is the genius, Pompey is the money, and Crassus has the army. So the three of them together take over Rome. And Julius Caesar is such a loved man. And all of the people are milling about, and they're super excited, and they give... Like, one of the only funny things in the entire play, because the play is not funny. There is no levity in this play. Or the the people talking about, hey, you don't look like what you do. What do you do? And he's like, I'm a cobbler. I make soul, I make shoes. So what are you out here doing? I'm leading people around to wear, to wear out their souls so that I can have more work to do. So I thought that was the only yeah. levity. It's not even a good joke. No. It's not a good joke. And then, of course, there's two tribunes, Flavius and Morellus, who kind of break up the the milling about and whatnot. Yeah, make way, make way, make way. And in we see Caesar. He walks through real quick. They give him a hard time for neglecting their work. Mm. Get back to work. They don't yep. have to work today. It's a holiday. Yep, but the tribunes, you know how tribunes are. They no. want him to get back to work. Get back to work. And in walks Caesar, and he's like, what up? How's it going? What's up? I'm Caesar. Well, no, this is now, now we're, we've moved into scene two, two. Mm-hmm. because Caesar arrives in scene two, um, and this is where we get to see the soothsayer as Caesar is on his way to the triumphal games, and the soothsayer pops out of the side road and goes, "Hey, beware the eyes of March! Beware the eyes of March!" And then back into the crowd, and Caesar's like, "Eh, fuck off." Who cares? Pretty reasonable thing to say. Who cares about the Ides of March? Eh, I'm Caesar. Have you ever? Nobody comes at Caesar. And Did of you course, see my Caesar. Who, who my statues? <laughs> and of course, who's who's traveling with Caesar? But Cassius, Brutus, and Mark Antony. Yep, and they meet up his with homies. His mm-hmm. homies. They also meet up with Seneca, Cicero. Uh, no, this, uh, a lot Senate. of senators. Yeah, a bunch of senators. And so Fourth Caesar... Yeah, there is a lot of us's mm-hmm. that come through. And Jesus. Caesar, given his little, like, finger gun salute, hey, 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 he makes his way on through to the games. And behind stays the senators. And they're like, ooh, he's really full of himself. Ugh, what are we going to do? And here's where Cassius starts spreading his uh, his little thoughts of, hey, we shouldn't let him become 
king or emperor or anything. He's got too much power. We got well, and Cassius Cassius is not doing it because he believes in what's right for Rome. No, he believes in what's right for Cassius. Cassius is jealous, and he is jealous of Caesar's power and jealous of Caesar's. Because there's no reason that Cassius couldn't have been exactly where Caesar is. He was as close to Pompey. He was as close to Crassus. There is no reason why Cassius isn't there first. So Cassius is like, no. He's super jelly. Take take him down. Put me there. I don't understand. Now, Brutus, another man who is a close personal friend of Caesar, has his own misgivings about Caesar becoming emperor, but his are for entirely different reasons. His misgivings are entirely based on how he feels what would happen to Rome itself. Well, and will Caesar still be the same man? Mm-hmm. Right now he's good and he's honorable, but will he still be good and honorable when he wears a crown on his head? Yep. And so that's where you have two two men who don't want Caesar to become emperor for two completely different reasons. And eventually those two men will become very important later in the plot. Now, I actually think that Brutus is probably the most important character in the entire play. Oh, I mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. Marcus Brutus is... In my opinion, the most important, yeah. If you renamed this play Brutus, it would make way more sense. Nobody would come to see it. No, because, like, at this point, I mean, you were talking at the beginning how Caesar is, like, he's a plot point. It's Chekhov's politician. Like, he's going to go off at some point. He is Chekhov's politician. He is Chekhov's politician. (laughs) So... And that's what we'll come to when we do talk about adaptations later. Isn't that there is a specific adaptation that I can think of? I'm sure that there. Cassie will come at me later with like, oh, but what about this AYA book? Cassie, this is a shout out for you. But this Julius Caesar idea and the buildup that is made about Julius Caesar and how different it is from the actual man is what we see in the Manchurian Candidate. It's what we see in Chekhov's Politician. It's what we see over and over again when we've got the man becoming myth mythicized. That word is very hard to say halfway through your second beer. Mythicized into something greater than himself. Mm-hmm. So, all right, back to the plot. Yes. So, but, yeah, so Caesar and Antony, cheap, cheap, cheap. they wander off. And Cassius and Brutus are standing there, and they're talking, and Cassius is like, oh, I don't want him to become emperor, and it's our fault. That we, we let this happen. Yeah, we let this happen, and so we should do something about it. And Brutus is kind of, like, agreeing, but not really agreeing. He's He does also distrust, you know, the idea of making him emperor, that kind of thing. Um, you know, they're, they're agreeing with each other about not wanting... Caesar to become emperor, but for completely different reasons. Um, you know, Cassius is bringing up Caesar's physical weakness because he has seizures. Caesar's seizures. But then, then uh, Brutus is like, um, actually, he doesn't have the falling down sickness. I do. Yeah. This guy does. That other guy does. But Caesar doesn't have the falling down sickness. Because they don't call it seizures. They call it the falling down sickness. Yeah. So, next time I trip... You have the falling down sickness. I have the falling down sickness. Oh. I like Caesar's seizures, but 
Say that five times fast. Uh, Caesar, seizures, Caesar, seizures, Caesar, seizures, 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 seizures. Seizures? Seizures, seizures. Seizures, seizures. She sells seashells by the seashore. Pizza, pizza. Noble Roman? Little Caesars. <laughs> I went with Noble Roman. Uh, but yeah, so they're they're doing that, and the games are over, and Ce- some some stuff has happened. Well, Cass- Cassius, they're all still there. Caesar comes back. Uh, you know, Brutus is considering what Cassius says, and then Caesar looks at Mark Antony. He's like, "I do not trust that motherfucker." About Cassius. Not as far as I can throw him. Which isn't far, because I'm weak. And I have the falling down. Damnedest thing. Damnedest thing. But yeah, Caesar's like, I, hey, you know what, Mark Antony? I do not trust that motherfucker. He mm. is pretty motherfucky. Of all the motherfuckers. He's the motherfuckiest. <clears throat> so, after Caesar leaves. Because again, we have Caesar on screen in this play, film, stage, on the boards. For probably less than 20 minutes. He, he, he pops in and pops back out. Right. Uh, we have one scene in Caesar's palace. That's it. Just enough for Capernia. But we'll come to that later. Yeah. So Caesar comes. He gives some more like snapping fingers. Hey, hey, crowd. Hey, hey, I'm still really cool. Hey. And he leaves. And s- senators are still hanging around uh, well, there. Well, that's when Casca like, comes so, in. So what happened? What happened? What happened? What happened? They're like, well, in the middle of the games, Mark Antony calls Caesar up and he offers him the crown once and he bats it away with his head. So he offers him the crown again and he bats it away again. And he offers him the crown a third time and Caesar bats it away. So this important moment in history where Caesar denies the crown three times happens off stage. Yep. It's not even something that Shakespeare feels is important enough to put in front of Well, it has audience. nothing to do with the plot of his play. It ha- well... <laughs> Except... Because, because this is a thing that they discount later. So, with all of Cassius's lies and manipulation and politics, he completely just was like, let's ignore the fact that Caesar denied this crown. Which, by the way, in history, he eventually does take. Well, that's but that's where Caesar... Caesar also, when he's being offered the crown and in front of all these people, um, falls down and has a seizure. Casca describes that Caesar, you know... Yeah, but he's faking. Oh, yeah, he's totally faking, but he's trying to do it to show, oh, I'm too weak to be... I cannot be your king. Yeah. I cannot be your king. Think of me as Cincinnatus. I cannot be your king. Cincinnatus being... Senator came, was king, left as soon as he was able. Either way. So... But he, he, he tries to give the crowd a demonstration of his weakness. So Brutus is like, well, look, he's going to be okay. He'll be fine. He He's denied the crown. He's then, of fine. course, Cassius is plotting. Cassius is plotting. And he says, he gives Brutus's... Or he gives to his boy, his man, his whatever... A stack of letters. Go leave these on Brutus's chair. Yep. Brutus leaves to consider what Cassius has been saying. Leave these on Brutus's chair so that he can find them. Cut scene to Brutus's orchard. Mm-hmm. I don't know why we're in a fucking orchard. 
But cut scene to Brutus's orchard, because that's where most of Act 2 is going to take place. Yep, and that's where, well, uh, we get the... Rome is plagued by violent storms at the beginning of Act 2. There is fire falling from the sky for an entire night. Ugh! The things that they have seen. The violent storms plaguing Rome... And Brutus finds the letters from these concerned citizens. He cannot sleep because there's so much tribulation in the air. There's something brewing. And so at about five or six in the morning, because they keep giving us time, mm-hmm. like throughout scene act two, yeah. they're marking the time as it's passing. Because we start at like, Four or five. It's not yet day. It's not yet tomorrow. Four or five in the morning. And Brutus's uh, manservant, boy, child, Livius, goes in. Go get, go to get me a taper. So he runs to whatever gets him room. A, gets gives him a, him a taper. Him he's a like, candle, yeah. um, while I was in there getting the taper, I found these letters. And they were totally not there when I went and took a shower earlier. He says, bathe. I don't know why there's letters in a place that they would bathe or why the taper is where the bathing would happen. But, not there. But Cassius has sent these letters because he knows Brutus is strong supporter of a, of a republic and he feels that if the people are... It has to be for the people. If Whatever the it will is, of the people is against the people. Caesar, then, he, then Brutus will support a plot to remove Caesar. So... Because Brutus fears a dictator-led empire. He feels the people would lose their voice if there is an emperor. Dictator. Penis bud. Yes. The dictator. The dictator. So, he caught him. He caught the dictator. He caught the dictator. So he sits there and he reads through these things and he's thinking about them. And as, as he is thinking about him again at an unreasonable hour of the Conveniently, morning. Conveniently, Cassius shows up with some dudes. He's like, hey... <laughs> His, and his boy servant, Livius, goes to look. And he's like, uh, there's a guy out here and a bunch of other dudes who are all, like, covering their face and wrapped in their shawls. And I don't know who they are. Do you want me to let them in? And Brutus is like, all right. Sure, it's five in the morning. Why the fuck not? In walks. No, it has been it has been storming and whatnot. They could have been covered for valid oh, yeah. reasons. Let's go yeah. back to the last time there was a horrible storm here while we were doing this. Chase was wearing chain mail for the whole That's thing. That's true. Mm-hmm. We didn't let anybody in unless they had pizza. That's no, right. I'm not letting weirdos into the house when it's <laughs> raining fire outside. It's my number one rule, stitch it on a pillow. No fucking weirdos when it's raining fire. That's fair. I, I think I can... Let's go... You know what? New house rule. No monsters allowed in the house. Uh, you can only play swords if the other person knows you're playing swords and is also armed. No letting weirdos in the house when it's raining fire. <laughs> Roar's house rules. Mm. So... It's a good rule. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank the, you. The swords rule, oddly specific, but I'm down with every word of it. Look, Wait the, until the you swords, have... The swords rule is incredibly yeah, important. No, I'm... I am... it's, it's not oddly specific. As the oldest of three brothers, I completely understand the, the, the requirement for that swords rule. There's a rule, a reason for every rule. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason for the no fire weirdos coming in is that they will lead you astray. Because they'll be like, hey, hey, <laughs> hey, hey. Let's murder some guys. Wink. You want to murder someone today? Wink, wink. I don't know. 
Brutus then turns to Livius and goes, I don't know if we should go murder anybody today. Go check what date it is. Livius runs off and goes, March 14th has just finished. That, by the way, means the Ides of March is tomorrow. It's the Ides of March. Well, if March 14th has just finished, it is, is the Ides of March. Yeah. Well, Which, I mean, coincidentally, that depends is... on if the month ends in 30 or 31, because the Ides of March on the 30th, on a month The Ides of March is always the 15th. That's true. But the Ides of April is April 13th. How is the Ides of April, April 13th, when it's halfway through the month, which the Ides? Because in the, Juli- in, the, in the way the Romans worked it, if the month only had 30 days in it, the Ides came on the 13th, and if the month had 31 days, it came on the 15th. Interesting. I did not know that. I just always assumed that the 15th was the Ides. You would be incorrect. Well, I am only concerned ever about the Ides of one month. March? March. Good. So. Uh, Thoroughly the best Ides. Uh, maybe the worst Ides. Look, certainly the most well-known. Let's, let's oh, definitely it. the most well-known let's take, a, let's take a second, Chase. How for murder are you? I mean, I'm not for murder. However, he's not diametrically opposed to murder right. either. So you need to drink more. You said diametrically. So oh, I am drinking. This is this is my second. Look, here's the thing: we only know about one murder on the Ides of March. There are murders every day. You are a morbid motherfucker. Coincidentally, yeah, next back- Thursday is the yeah. Ides of March. It is. It's true. But you did back me into a corner, and now I have to explain myself. You set yourself in the corner. I'm gonna come. Hey, I'm gonna come. Then- stop by on Thursday. You'd have to come by on Tuesday to talk me into murdering Chase on Wednesday. I'm not talking you into murdering Chase. Chase and I are going to stop by on Thursday and murder you. But I don't want to be murdered. Also, my megalomania is totally under control now. We have to stop her, Chase. Oh, no. <laughs> it's for the people. It's for the people. This murdering thing sounds like it would break the break rule two, the swords rule. It We're does. not going to use swords. It's going to be <laughs> knives. <laughs> Oh, why didn't I include knives? <laughs> why didn't I include knives? Et tu, Brute. But I'm getting ahead of myself. All right. Yeah, we're, so, we're, we're, we're getting a little far afield. So Cassius and his gang come and talk Brutus into, like, hey, this has to be done and it's got to be done today. And Brutus is like, no, there's no way. Well, Brutus- there is no way Julius Caesar is going to the Senate today. Yep. Well, he, no that's what he—that's what he's concerned about because Brutus takes charge. Brutus actually takes control of the conspiracy because he's been swayed by the letters. Once the letters have have come in, and like Brutus then goes, "All right, well, I guess we're doing this," and he just. Decides to be in charge. Now Cassius tries to go a little another step further. Cassius tries to talk him into killing Mark Antony as well. No, no. Leave Antony be. And Brutus says, no, we're not going to kill Mark Antony. He's super pretty and I don't want him to die. But, yeah, so Cassius is like, come on. You know, if we're going to kill Caesar, we got to get rid of Antony too. Which he's right. They should have. They should have killed Antony. Match set. Had they killed Antony. They may have had a better chance of actually taking over Rome. Oh, they probably wouldn't have had to worry about... But spoiler alert. Yeah, they probably wouldn't have had to worry about Octavius later. They would have consol- they, could, they could have consolidated. If I have read enough fantasy novels and historical oh, yeah. romances, if you leave an heir presumptive alive, no matter how young he is, 
Well, that's true. He's eventually, gonna come back? Eventually, uh, Alora Dannon will defeat Queen Bavmorda. I want you to know that that is the second Willow reference of my day. When Tyler Ward put up that black, his daughter liked black ric- licorice, mm-hmm. I went searching for Mad Mardigan eating black root. Yes. He stole our black root! <laughs> it's okay, we'll get more. <laughs> it's okay. We'll get Alright, now that I'm totally thrown off by Willow, I'm gonna have to watch that movie again. It's been uh, a I, decade. I watched that movie several times a year. It's been at least a decade. I haven't watched it with my daughter yet because there are some parts of it that get a little gory towards, you know, like... Scary. Yeah, there's some scary bits. and scary bits. She runs and hides from certain scary bits in movies. She doesn't like the part in Zootopia when the, you know, animals get all feral and whatnot. Yeah. It's it's funny to watch a three-year-old, four-year-old run from an otter. (laughs) A vicious, vicious otter. A vicious, vicious otter is going to get you from behind the plexiglass. Rare. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. No, you're right though. In in all in all, like that's the root of fantasy literature is, you know. Pretty sure this is just pop and not actually beer. So let's take a second now that I've distracted Ryan with a beer. Uh, we always tell them what beers we're drinking. Oh yeah, we should. You have Menembria. I have Menembria because we are. Reading a play about Italy, yes, I brought an Italian, Italian beer. beer, and uh, I the beer I brought specifically for tonight, which we have not gotten far enough in the plot for me to drink. <gasps> oh, I brought it up too soon because my beer has no alcohol content in it. It is none. Zero alcohol. No, four point eight. Oh, that's four point eight. It's a that's plenty of alcohol content. Whatever. Uh, my, At least my mom doesn't have to worry about how I'm getting home tonight. My beer, um, which I can't drink yet because we haven't gotten to that part, and I'm waiting for that part of the plot. Also, I think it's warm. Uh, it's it's pretty cool now that it's been in the fridge for a while. Uh, Jackie O's Dark Apparition, and it's an Imperial Stout. Oh, so many different plays. Well, a Dark Apparition does appear. It does. And actually, there's a couple different ways that you could look at what would be the dark apparition. You know, now that we're at this point in the plot, we can talk about one of the dark apparitions. We can. Because well, actually, once... I think I think there's multiple times when someone could have been said to have seen a dark apparition. Maybe the entire night. The soothsayer had seen some sort of dark apparition it and he warned Caesar. An, an auger. An auger. Yes. So cutting open a bird. And then, uh, you know, the the rain of, you know, the terrible storms and rain fire. of fire. Rain of fire. Rain of fire. Which is uh, when that ha- when that happened one of Pompeii, my favorite Christian Bale movies. Oh, that is a good one. Yeah. I we played Dragons with Matthew McConaughey. I was going to say, it's one of my favorite Matthew McConaughey movies. It might be my favorite Matthew McConaughey movie. One of my favorite Dragon movies. You clearly haven't yeah. seen Magic Mike. I have not seen Magic Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I have not. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> He turned. He turned a beautiful shade of red when I. Said I did that. not. I do not get embarrassed. But he blushed. I didn't blush. I think. I think he's blushed. I didn't. I don't even get embarrassed. My wife tries to embarrass me, and I don't get embarrassed. <laughs> Tis the beer that flushes his face. Then. Tis the beer. It could be the drinking. 
could be the well, what is the other what is the not themed beverage you've got? Oh the the, the, the unseemed beverage I have is Light Keeper, which actually in a way could be themed because And has more alcohol content. Yes, it has more alcohol content than yours. Uh it's a six point six percent. But I mean Light Keeper could kind of vaguely be referential. <laughs> it is a beer that is named after a lighthouse. Something shining, you know, a shining right. light leading so the way. So we could even say that Mark Antony is like a shining beacon of what is true. Yes. And what is Mark Antony is an asshole, but he's brutally honest. Brutally. <laughs> brutally honest. A word derived from Brutus. Yes. Brutally. All right. So, speaking of dark apparitions, mm-hmm. they talk Brutus into going to the Senate. Leading their charge. But he doesn't think Julius Caesar will come because the soothsayer said... Say that's five times real fast. The soothsayer said? 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 We are 36 minutes into this. Oh, we better... We better... Chase thinks we're boring. Either way. Anyway, so I think Brian has to work early tomorrow morning. I do. So the soothsayer's like, hey, beware the eye to march. And Brutus is like, he's not going. And Cassius is like, no, 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 no. He's not nearly that... Superstitious. But finally, they all leave. Cut to black. Well, Portia. No, we we have to talk about Portia. Brutus's wife. Yeah, we do have to talk about Portia. Um, because Portia is fuck, just really annoying, and she, she is, dies she, in the most ridiculous way possible. Well, she kills herself. She does later, but this is that's way right now. Yeah. Though, what matters so, is she tries to she's talk like, to no, Brutus. Brutus, come back to bed. Tell me what is wrong. And Brutus blows her off. Am I not your true and honest wife? Yep. She wants Brutus tell to me the tell her what, your is, what is wrong. Brutus won't. So then Caesar, now we go to the, the flip side. All right. Caesar is preparing to go to the Senate on March 15th. Now his wife. Is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Calpurnia. I have seen you A dark dead. apparition. You dead. I saw you dead in my dream. You because dead. she sees the apparition of Caesar's statue being. Covered in blood and happy men dancing in it, bathing in their it. hands in the blood. So and he, she's like, "Motherfucker, don't go!" And again, we've marked the time. Tis but seven. Yes, tis and early the conspir- in the morning. The conspirators still. have agreed to meet at eight. So they are to meet at Caesar's house at eight o'clock. And Caesar's like, "No, I'm not gonna." He doesn't listen. He was not gonna listen to Calpurnia. And like, no, I, will, like, I refuse right. to yield to fear. Woman, you don't know what you're talking about. Let's get those men that cut open birds for a living in here. Yeah, you guys. Could you guys go and murder some birds for a minute and tell me what's going to happen in the future? So the augers go off. They murder a bird. And they open up the bird and they're like, there was no heart. Clearly you're going to die. And they're like... Caesar stays home. He decides to stay home. Well... He, he does. He he decide he he decides to stay home with Calpurnia, and he tells so up knocking on the door. In walks Decius, and he's like, "You got a coat." Decius is Brutus, by the way. A uh, Decius Brutus, Decius Brutus. So he's, he's related to Marcus Brutus. He's his yes. younger brother. So, but Decius is there. He's one he's of the like, conspirators. He's like, "You got a cup. We need you at the Senate. I've come to fetch you to the Senate." And Julius Caesar's like, "No, no, no. Tell him I'm sick." Actually, you know what? Don't tell him I'm sick. Because Caesar doesn't need to lie. Caesar doesn't want to go. Caesar's wife said not to go. Caesar's not going. Caesar doesn't want to go. 
And so the Decius convinces Caesar that Calpurnia misinterpreted her dream of him getting fucking murdered. And the augurs misinterpreted it. That doesn't mean that, that you're going to die just because that bird had no heart. It means that you are so strong that you don't need a heart to live. That Julius Caesar is above all things. Because clearly the bird needed a heart to live and it didn't have it. And so you are so mighty you don't need one either. So and they, Caesar buys this shit. Yeah, he convinces him. Caesar buys it. Because Caesar is so flatterable. Oh, yeah. He, it's a new word. I'm making it up. He is so easily flattered yeah. that this bullshit. Flattery will get you everywhere. With with, yeah, everywhere. He's a man's man and a woman's man. So it'll just get him everywhere. So Caesar's like, yep, pack me lunch. We're going to the Senate. Give me a PB&J, woman. I'm going to the mm-hmm. Senate. And Copernicus uh, is like, I don't really think you yeah, are. Right. I guess it doesn't matter what I She's do. like, who, who am I now to be able to... I, she's like, if I tried. I, I have the heart of a man and the weakness of a woman. Actually, I think that's Brutus' wife. I think it's Portia. Portia. I have the heart of a man and the weakness of a woman. So, but, which, but, which by the way, both, is it would be the, the fucking annoying. We well, have... the women in this play later. We have both wives... We're like, you guys shouldn't do this and shit. And Portia wants to know what Brutus is doing so she could talk him out of it. Yeah, and well, Brutus eventually tells her. Yeah. Off screen, of course. And Caesar goes. Caesar and Calpurnia, who actually succeeds at what she's trying to do until... Somebody comes in and Somebody like, comes mm-hmm. and flatters him. Sup. He's like, sup. So he goes through the streets of the Senate. Our, our old friend, Soothsayer... Shows back up. He's like, I told he's try, you. He's trying to get Caesar's attention. He's like, motherfucker, I told you. But Caesar ignores him. Yep. It was so up. clear. <laughs> I said, beware the Ides of March. It is the 15th. Take did a you think personal it was, day. Did you think it was the 13th this month? Because it's not. It's the 15th. See, what happened was that you weren't supposed to come out of your house and you're here. You were supposed to stay home, motherfucker. But Caesar... He goes. Sweeps right past the soothsayer. Doesn't even fucking pay any and attention to him. Ryan, can I ask you? What was on the docket for the Senate that day? Did they get into anything? Or as soon as he walks in, did they... Stab a bitch. Well, they let him get inside the, the Senate. And the conspirators all go up to talk to him. But they all must stab him once. That That is their conspiracy. They have all... Agreed that they will all stab him once. 33 people stab him. Now, you're going to run out of space, I think. But 33 people stab Caesar. He doesn't die. Well. Until. I was going to say, he. He, he, does, he definitely dies. Until. <clears throat> and actually, and actually in, the, in the dramatics of the play, what kills him is not the stab. In the dramatics of the play, what kills him is Marcus's betrayal. Brutus betraying him is what kills Caesar. Eh, to Brute. Because he, he, Brutus is the last to, stand. to go. Yeah. And when Caesar sees Brutus approach with the knife, and Brutus's knife goes into him, and he looks at Brutus and says, Et tu, Brute. That's what kills him, is the betrayal, the heartbreak. Right. You too, so, Brutus. You too, Brutus. Julius Caesar. And so, yes, Caesar, dicks, man. Every dicks, man. Oh, dicks. dicks. Put your hands So, here we've got, I believe this is another Brutus dead moment. Brutus cries. Moment. 
Brutus does it's cry. 33 he people cries. stab you, but not a lot. bet you're dead by seven. He cries enough. Enough. Because he's sad. And he's true. like, you know what? Uh, All right. Everybody come dip your hands in his blood. They bathe their hands and their swords in the blood. And we will walk out into the forum like this. It is important that everybody knows that we did this. Now, the other thing that happened, too, as well, is Mark Antony was at the Senate. Mark Antony was led away from... Yep. Like, somebody, one of the conspirators was like, Hey! hey there's a toilet club! Go, Can go, you come fix go, this? Go check this out! You need to go talk to so-and-so, so Antony wasn't there. Yeah. Otherwise, he would Otherwise, Cassius would have gotten his way. And they He'd would have, have transformed into Starscream and killed them all. He wouldn't have done. He wouldn't have done anything. <laughs> Why Starscream? <laughs> I, I just think a Beast War would have been much more appropriate for the time. Fine. He, trans- like the- he transforms into Grimlock and kills them all. All, <laughs> all of a sudden, he turns into Cobra Commander. <laughs> It was the only one one came to mind. They were voiced by the same guy. (laughs) I want to... Yay! Woo! I don't care about that. So. (laughs) So. (laughs) I know. And I have no follow-up to that. Except for, if Mark Antony had been there, he would either have died or, in true Shakespearean form, been able to kill off 33 people or at least five and then everybody else would have been scared away. Would have fled. Yeah. Yeah. Antony would have either saved Caesar... Or also been murdered. Cassius most likely would have been murdered. Cassius would have gotten his way. Or Caesar would have somehow... Cassius you know, would have found a way. He'd have gotten there. He'd have found a way. Yeah. He'd have found a way to get there. Well, C- Caesar probably would have ended up... It would have been like the scene in... Yeah, I don't know. I've, I've lost it there. I, yeah, I, I, had, I had something, but I lost it. It's because no matter what, Mark... He wasn't there in history. He wasn't there in the play. Yep. So... He might as well have turned it. But he does. Him. He does come in and he shakes hands with all of the conspirators. And he's well. Brutus co- goes and talks to him, and he says, "This is what was going on. We cannot have another king." And Mark Antony's like, "Yeah, he wasn't going to be the king." And they're like, "No, the people were against it. The people have turned against him. We had and to Brut- get rid Brutus of him." Brutus says he's going to explain it all to the people yeah, at t- his funeral. And tell you what, you can even give the eulogy. You can give the funeral talk. How about that? I'll go. I'll explain it. You can give the funeral talk. And I will Cassius make sure that they know what go. we did. Yeah, Cassius doesn't want. He's like, don't Antony. let Antony talk. We're gonna lose everything if Antony talks, and he was right. So Cassius, well, because is- they all leave, and then Antony's like, everybody's gone. Don't worry, Caesar. I'll avenge your fucking death. I'll get them <laughs> bitches. <laughs> oh, it's like Corey Haim and Corey, the other Corey, Corey Feldman. Feldman. Yeah. <sighs> All right. But yeah, it, that's Anthony's like, he, Anthony waits until everybody else is gone and he swears that he will avenge Caesar. And so he takes Caesar's body to the forum, following after all of the Brutus Senate. and Cassius and yeah, the they're Yeah, they're all covered in blood so the whole world knows what they did. That's Brutus's thing. Everybody's got to know what we did. We yep. can't do this in dark. Now, Anthony's hand, Anthony's hand is covered in blood. Because he Because shook. he shook the hand of every conspirator. Every single one. Saying, you don't kill me, I'm not going to kill you. Got it? Okay. Well, he, he he did it to draw attention to Mark, you know, to, you know, the, the conspirators. That they, everybody's hands are dirty. Everybody's hands in this are dirty. So, Brutus gets up. He gives a nice speech that even starts out with friends, Romans. 
And he talks about what Caesar was, what Caesar was becoming. And at the end of the speech, the crowd's like, fuck yeah, Brutus, rock on. You know what? Brutus, you become the king. And Brutus is like, no, no, no. Remember? I just killed a friend of mine to stop kings. No and they're thanks. like, oh, come on, Brutus. You're our favorite. He's like, no, no, no. Well, friend, friend's Roman's countryman is actually Mark Antony's. It speech. is. It is. But Brutus's speech starts similarly. It's also, he talks to the countrymen. He's talking to his friends. He's talking to his countrymen. It's very similar introduction, and I think that's it's important in a literary sense, is that it's a very similar opening line. It's not the exact same, but it's similar. It has the same connotations. But where he goes, where he's just, this is what I have done. And the people are like, yay, we're, we're aroused. Let's get you to the highest levels. Go Brutus. Brutus is our Brutus favorite. Brutus for king. Brutus for king. Brutus the friend of the people. Brutus for life. And Brutus is like, wait, wait a minute. No. And he's like, Guys, please. No kings. No kings. You don't listen very well, yeah. do you? You're not listening. Not picking up what I'm Listening yeah. comprehension is key. So he's like, tell you what. I'm going to walk away. Because it's important that he tells them he's walking away. I'm going away. And stick around. You're going to love who's next. We got Mark Antony we coming got, up. We got Mark Antony coming up. So Mark Antony comes up. And he's like, all right. Friends. Romans. Countrymen. I come not to praise Caesar, but to bury him. And he talks... Well, this is one of the, this is the speech of the play. It is. It's what we all had to memorize in high school. I had to. Did you mm-hmm. have to memorize it? Yeah. Yep. So we all have to memorize the speech. And it's... Let's... You know what? Let's take a second and have a dramatic reading by Ryan Hathill, slightly oh. inebriated. Let me do Friends, Romans, Countrymen. Okay. Slightly inebriated Shakespeare is your I also specialty. have it up if you need it to it's, it's, it's my for It's my forte, right? Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. I come to bury Caesar, not to praise him. The evil that men do lives after them. The good is often turred with their bones, so let it be with Caesar. The noble Brutus hath told you Caesar was ambitious. If it were so, it was a grievous fault. And grievously hath Caesar answered it. Here, under leave of Brutus and the rest, for Caesar is, for Brutus, is an honorable man. So are they all, all honorable men. Come, I to speak in Caesar's funeral. He was my friend, faithful and just to me. But Brutus says he was ambitious, and Brutus is an honorable man. He hath brought many captives home to Rome, whose ransoms did the general coffers fill. Did this in Caesar seem ambitious? When that the poor have cried, Caesar hath wept. Ambition should be made of sterner stuff. Yet Brutus says he was ambitious. And Brutus is an honorable man. He is an honorable man. You all did see that on the Lupercal I thrice presented him a kingly crown which he did thrice refuse. Was this ambition? Yet Brutus says he was ambitious. And sure, he is an honorable man. I speak not to disprove what Brutus spake, but here I am to speak what I do know. You all did love him once, not without cause, 
What cause withholds you then to mourn for him? O judgment, thou art fled to brutish beasts, and men have lost their reason. Bear with me. My heart is in the coffin there with Caesar, and I must pause till it come back to me. It's, you didn't stumble once, I'm sorry. I did, I did. I, I accidentally <sighs> said Caesar once instead of Brutus, and I kind of went back and... Oh, I didn't even notice. He was so smooth in his drunken Shakespeare. But, so, I love the rhetoric here of, but, but, but he is an honorable man. Yeah, he, he continues to go, was Caesar ambitious? Brutus says so, and Brutus is an honorable man. Brutus is right about everything. Yeah, how could you, how could you doubt what Brutus says, because Brutus is an honorable man. Uh, I love that speech by Mark Antony. It is incredible for what it does to get the people to uh, think. To turn. Yeah. And the the people of Rome, the people of any Shakespeare play, the general rabble, are always easily led. Oh, yeah. But in this one, they're super easily led. So they, after this speech, they turn on Brutus. Yep. How could Brutus do this? I do love Caesar. Yep. And You're Brutus, right, I loved Caesar. Brutus and Cassius are exiled with the rest of the senators. Right, and in fact, we'll find out at the beginning of Act 4, mm-hmm. as we cut to the war, because this is the end of Act 3. When we cut to the beginning of Act 4, we start the war. Because what, Octavius returns. Octavius returns. We Teams find up with uh, Mark, Mark Antony and uh, Lepidopides. Lepidopterists. Is he a pterodactyl? Guy who studies butterflies? Is he a pterodactyl? Either way. I'm just happy to see you. Just, I am just happy to see you. So he... We cut to the beginning of scene of Act 4. We're in Brutus's tent. Because again, why in the world would we bother to focus on any of the Caesars in the Julius Caesar show? So... No, we're, this play is about Brutus. Right. So we're in Brutus's tent, and we're getting caught up on what the fuck has happened in probably about a... I'm going to say about a six-month span of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Octavius and uh, Mark Antony have killed between 70 and 100 senators. Uh, Cassius and Brutus are talking, and they have different numbers. We learn at this time that they are putting to death the conspirators and those who sided with the conspirators. Yep. Um, so most of the Senate of Rome is is gone, has been killed, and we also learned that Brutus is having a really hard time. He's losing everything. He his wife has killed herself. How did she die? She swallowed fire. How do you swallow fire? Is it one of those stupid tapers? Did she eat one of the stupid tapers? She ate a candle. She ate a candle. Yeah. And a lot of salad. I feel that that's like a. I feel like that's a what paw kind of moment. She <laughs> ate a candle. What paw? She ate fire. I don't. Okay. Yes. I'm she not, kills. I'm, she kills herself. I'm assuming that it's supposed to be a metaphor for poison or something like that, as opposed to like a literal. She ate fire. Yeah. That's what literally they say. She ate fire. Yes. But I'm assuming that that was a turn of phrase for, you know, like, she took poison or something like that. 
you know, poison is, you know, referred to, you know, as like a fire in their, you know, in your veins or some such, you know. So that's what I'm going to go with. But yeah, she has killed herself. Brutus has literally lost everything. And Cassius is still out there like a motherfucker. Yeah. So Cassius is still like, no, 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 we can do it. We can do it, Brutus. Brutus is as good as any Caesar ever was. And Brutus is like, look, I've lost my position. I've lost my home. I've lost Rome. I've lost my wife. I've killed my friend. And you still want me to go forward? And Cassius is like, yeah, we're almost Brutus, there, buddy. Brutus is a Brutus. We're so close to where we want to be. And so Brutus is like, fine. He's so tragic. Fine. There's yeah. nothing. There's. I have nothing left but to fight. So if this we, was called the tragedy of Marcus Brutus instead of the tragedy yeah, of Julius Caesar. Because one, it wouldn't have sold. It sold because the name was Julius Caesar. It's true. But it really is this, the tragedy of Marcus Brutus. He follows this man Cassius and this I, his idealism. And the idealism loses in everything because he can't see beyond the black and white. Mm-hmm. So he's lost everything. Here he is sitting in a war camp. And he's like, all right, I guess let's go fight. And Brutus is no general. Let's go fight. It's true. He's not a general. So they go to the battlefield. The stage directions and the actual battle in this are the worst. And I went back to find out, like, he has written good stage battle directions. Henry V is full of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we see good ones in Macbeth. We see excellent battles. This is bad. It's just bad. It's just bad... It's as if, it's as if nobody's heart is in this fight. So it's like a stabby, stabby here, stabby, stabby there. They regroup. Just towards the end of Act Four, they regroup and they're like, "Well, this is this is this is also lost? where we get the, the third dark apparition." Yeah. The, the, oh, yeah. The ghost of Caesar. Cause, well, because towards the end of, to the scene, before, scene four, yep. scene three, scene before four, the, four. before the battle. The ghost of Caesar appears to Brutus and tells him he will meet him on the battlefield tomorrow. Yep, I'll see you at Papilia. Yeah, I'll meet you on the battlefield. Pillipi. Yeah, I will meet you at the battle on the battlefield tomorrow. Yep, the ghost of Caesar, the dark apparition. Oh yes, this is why this is so boring. Okay, so (laughs) maybe this isn't as weak as I think it is. So. This is, I don't know, I think it's pretty baller. Your ghost shows up and tells your it, okay. enemy that murdered you that he's going to see you on the Julius battlefield Julius Caesar's tomorrow. line may be baller, but the whole scene leading up to it. So, we're sitting in Mark Antony's tent, and he calls in his, his guards. He's like, guys, come in here, lay down in here. Um, and so they come and they lay down, and he's like, boy, Livius, play me a tune on your bandolier, or whatever. I think a bandolier is a musical instrument, apparently. A bandolier is a, a belt that goes crosswise over your chest. Yeah, that you play music on. No. Beautiful grenade music. So, <laughs> eventually, Brutus looks over and he's like, Oh, Livius, you are but asleep at your harpsichord. And he's like making fun of this kid because the kid fell asleep. Everybody's asleep around him and in walks Julius Caesar and he's like, I'm going to murder you tomorrow through other people. I will see you tomorrow, dick. Tomorrow, and Brutus is like, odd dicks. Brutus is like, <laughs> well, dicks. actually, I think Brutus is like, finally. Thank fucking <laughs> God. I have been running at Spears for weeks. <laughs> Somebody kill me. I can't just kill so, myself. So then we get to the, the actual, the best part of the battle, 
but Octavius is going to do his own thing, and Antony wants him to do other things because Antony wants to be in charge, and Octavius wants to be in charge. And right. Wants to... Well, that's a different play. Yes, they can't decide who's actually in charge. But, so they're kind of going to, they're going to clusterfuck their way into the battle because they can't decide who's in charge, whereas well, Brutus and Cassius are... Brutus beats Octavius, but Cassius loses well, to Mark Antony. Well, Cassius, what happens, Cassius is trying to find out what's happening with his boy Titinius, and Titinius is surrounded by cheering men. So Cassius's messenger goes back and tells Cassius, oh, Titinius was surrounded by cheering men. Cassius interprets that as, oh, shit. He gave me up. They got they captured Titinius. And really, that's not what happened, but Cassius goes, all right, man. Boy, hold my sword. I'm going to run at you. Kill, kill me. So Cassius. Actually, it's with the sword he stabbed Caesar with, too. Cassius. The sword did hold Caesar's blood. I die. Eh. Pindarus is the guy who kills Cassius because Cassius says, Stab me. Pindarus has really just never been in this play before. Yeah, he's just his his aide. He's he, Cassius. Can we? I'm sorry. Tent can, boy. Can we even say he puts a pin in Darus? Just puts a pin in him. Pindarus. Jesus, Jesus. He puts a pin in him. No, we can't say that now because you that was terrible. Pindarus. Anyway, so then Titinius shows up, sees that. Cassius is dead. And he's like, oh my god, you're dead! Somebody and then hold he my kills sword! Himself. And he's like, somebody hold my sword! <laughs> so hold the Titinius hilt, I'm you! And then, of course, Brutus learns of the deaths of Cassius and Titinius, and with a heavy heart... He asks, like, seven people to help kill him. Well, and they're all he, like, nah, he, 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 still, he still goes into battle. Well, he still continues to face the Romans, and then his, his army loses, and he asks one of his men to hold his sword. Because Brutus will not be captured in that way. Yep, and Brutus he, Brutus says... No one will have the honor of killing yep, Brutus. And Brutus falls on his own sword. He has one of his dudes hold it for him, and he jumps on it. Which is... Okay, so almost everybody who dies in Act 5 dies... Of their own volition. Of their own volition, and having somebody else hold a sword while they run into it. Except for Cassius, who's like, I'm going to cover my face... Just stab me. Stab me while my face is covered. Which, I be- that speaks a lot of cowardice to me. Like, I can't face my own death, but you need to come. So. And, and then, uh, this, this to me, especially is why the play is about Brutus. Antony and Octavius come upon Brutus's dead body. And Mark Antony goes, this was the most honorable of Rome. Yeah, this was the most honorable Roman. Doesn't Octavius say something shitty, though, doesn't he? No, Octavius also says that he's honorable and should be buried with the highest of honors. Maybe he says something shitty about Cassius. He, he may. Some, he's got some Octavius little, has some shitty attitudes. He's got like, some shit Cassius is kind of shitty. Well, Cassius is shitty. But, but Brutus is treated with honor and respect because Antony, while all of the other conspirators acted out of jealousy or selfishness or anything like that, Mark uh, Mark Anthony truly believes that Brutus acted out of what he felt was the best interest of Rome, however misguided. Yeah. Because Brutus did act out of what he felt was the best interest of Rome, and so he, Brutus, is the only one of the conspirators that is in any way treated with an honorable, honorable burial or anything. 
And that is the end of the play. That's the end of the play. The play's like, uh, dude was okay. (laughs) (laughs) Robot, shut up! Alexa, off! Alexa, Echo! Echo, off! Echo, stop! You gotta say Alexa. You gotta say Alexa. Alexa, stop! Um, yeah. So, Alexa apparently heard me say play and decided to start banging. Drop the beats. Beats, yo. So that's the play. That's it. It's not funny. It's not light. It's... But hopefully we made it so. Well, and it's long. Caesar is long. I don't know. I don't feel like it was that long. It's like two hours. Uh, okay, it reads long. It action, Action-wise, there's cuts and things you can make and, and whatnot. But for now, I think it's time to pause for station identification because we've yeah, we should cut for the next show. Yeah, we've yeah. Hit, we've hit what an hour? Uh, hour five, exactly. All right, All right. my so, name's Beth Roars. I'm Ryan Halfhill. I'm Chase Greenlee, and we'll see you next time on Shakespeare. Say goodnight, boy. Good night, John boy. Boy, boy, <laughs> boy. What? <laughs> <laughs> Let's slip the dogs of war.